The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. They came to Jericho, and as Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of Nazareth, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel proclamation comes from the Gospel of St. Mark in the 10th chapter that I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, sitting on the dusty roads of life. The author, Mark, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, recounts quite the scene in our Gospel today. Imagine, if you will, throngs of people traveling into Woodstock to hear their favorite artist perform. If you've ever been to the Daytona 500, you know what it is like to navigate the sidewalks with thousands of people making their way to that massive stadium. Or if you just parked on the outskirts of any R3 fair cities for a weekend of downtown planned activities, you know the slow but certain walk to the action. Each and every one of those walking experiences evoke for me what is happening in the gospel today and what Mark is showing us right off the bat. Now Jesus is likely surrounded by his disciples and then this great crowd thronging about him coming out of Jericho in the land of Samaria, the hated enemies of the Jews. You can almost smell the dust being kicked up into the air and ever so slightly occluding our vision of Jesus in their midst. You can almost feel the tension in the disciples knowing they are on enemy turf. And yet the scene is, interestingly enough, pastoral and peaceful. Then the peace is interrupted when a piercing scream comes from the side of the road, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And some from the crowd pounce upon the man crying, making every attempt they can at silencing him before he disturbs our Lord. Wait, we've all seen this before, haven't we? Remember in Matthew 19, the disciples are shooing the children away from Jesus and Jesus tells them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. 
And in Mark 5, an unclean woman with an uncontrolled bleeding snuck upon Jesus to simply touch him. In danger, being grabbed and pushed away any second, she succeeded and was healed. But Jesus turned and looked, saying, Who touched my garments? The disciples say back to him, You see this crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And she sheepishly comes forward, confesses her crime. And Jesus replies like a loving father, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Or in Mark chapter 7, when the Syrophoenician woman begged him to cast a demon out of her daughter, and he seemed to blow her off, to cast her off, but Jesus was only testing her humble faith and finally says, for this statement you may go away, the demon has left your daughter. Annoying little children, an unclean woman, and a hated Syrophoenician. So many who followed Jesus always seemed to have an opinion about who should be following Jesus. And Bartimaeus on the roadside is no different. Now, we don't know that it was the disciples that were shushing him. But we do know from scripture that Jesus' disciples had a misconception of why people suffer, and in particular, why they may be blind. In John 9, 2, his disciples actually asked Jesus if the sins of a blind man or his parents' sins caused his blindness. This was a misunderstanding of God and sin that goes all the way back to Job and his friend Eliphaz that made that very same case. Eliphaz's worldview assumes that suffering happens only in response to sin. Even Job, generally righteous, must have sinned somehow to bring about his suffering. But on the other hand, Job knows God, appreciates God's providence, and understands God's rescue of the poor and downtrodden. While the shushers may have seen blind Bartimaeus as a sinner that deserved his suffering, Jesus clearly saw him as the poor and downtrodden that simply needed saving. You know, there's a few phrases that get banding about in our culture that I don't really like and avoid them at all costs. Agree to disagree. We say it all the time. But in my humble opinion, that never brings anyone together. Rather, it affirms irreparable division. Nobody's perfect. Now, don't get me wrong. That is completely true. But I don't like it because too often in the Christian church, it excuses sin and we miss an opportunity to confess our sins and have our sins forgiven as God intended. After all, if Christ's death and resurrection only saves sinners, well, we better make sure we are one. But the worst saying of all is everyone deserves a second chance. Deserves? Really? How did we earn that fine distinction before our Heavenly Father? Where did we receive that credential? Who deposited that social credit in our emotional bank of behavior? I'll tell you who. No one did. What we really deserve 
is the unrighteous judgment we so often render unto those we believe are beneath us or unworthy of us. And therein lies the rub. We falsely believe that we are somehow higher in the hierarchy of life and ignore the truth of who we really are. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God and all of us deserve nothing but the eternal fires of hell. This last Monday night, Marcy, my wife, and I had a chance to attend a fundraiser for Life's Choices here in Lake County, Florida. The speaker was Benjamin Watson, an accomplished NFL pro tight end who played with Tom Brady on the New England Patriots. He had a wonderful speech about the importance of protecting life in the womb and talked about his organization and their efforts to help young women in crisis pregnancy give birth. It was all pretty much boilerplate politics and good tips. But then he told us how his father shared scripture with him as a young man and how he and his wife and continued that tradition with his children. And then he read Jeremiah 9.23, which says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. He then told us how when he was in college, he could bench over 500 pounds. People, this is insanely strong. Total power lifter. As he said, you didn't want to come up on me in the club. Message received, brother. Then he went on about how proud he was of that in spite of what his father taught him as a boy. In reading Jeremiah, with his family, he was reminded about sinful pride and told us, who gave me those good genes to begin with? If you're smart, who gave you that brain? If you're rich, who gave you the business sense to make that money? Well, God did. And we can all live our lives in humble subservience to that little fact right there, can't we? I know. Many of us miss that point sometimes. And I think we have all met that one hypocrite. You know, the one that never lies. The one that swears to God that they're always telling the truth. The one that has rules for thee, but not for me. Y'all making me lose my Jesus up in here. That's actually a sticker on my car. I wouldn't swear so much if I wasn't such a good Christian woman. Now, that was my drill sergeant in the army. I'm not a judgmental person, and it takes all your energy to keep from leaping up from your seat and crying louder than Bartimaeus ever could. You're the most judgmental person I know. Oh, they burst with so much hypocrisy. We don't wonder at all why people don't want to join the church. But the deeper truth is, we burst with so much hypocrisy it's a wonder Jesus wants to be our friend. And we're not the perceived sinners of Jesus' day. Just a woman with uncontrolled bleeding, a child, or even just a blind Syrophoenician. No, we're bad parents and unloving spouses on any given day. We're horrible bosses on Mondays and terrible employees on Fridays. We cuss and discuss and never miss an opportunity to fuss. 
But when we finally realize who we really are and know who we really need, we sit in humility on the side of the road and we cry out, Jesus, son of David, save me. And the miraculous happens. He, that is Jesus, sees us. He has compassion on us because we are indeed most to be pitied because before Jesus, we were nothing more than helpless sheep without a shepherd. Well, we are helpless no more. We have a flock. We have friends. And right here we have our eternal shepherd. Not just any ordinary shepherd, but the shepherd of the cross. It doesn't matter if we were spiritually blind or biblically lame. It doesn't matter if we were the pietistic shushers. It doesn't matter what we have done, what we are doing, or what we will ever do in the future. What matters is what Christ has done. And Christ came to us, lived with us, saw our sins, and loved us enough to be willing to die in our place right on that cross. On the dusty roads of life, we were sitting, and Jesus was always looking, just waiting for us to cry out to him so he could come to us and love us without end. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.